welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. You know, uh, I have the usual announcements that I make at the front end of the program, uh, but of late I have been kind of putting those in the middle of the broadcast as well as at the end because I want to get to our guest right away. Our special guest today is going to share with us about life mastery. That's right, life mastery. I know that we're all kind of sort of looking for that, and it's actually the title of her book, and her name is Sherry Sterling Fernandes, and I want to welcome you. So uh, great to have you on the program today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, life mastery. Uh, you know, they say that uh, when we come into this world, there is no manual. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems to be, of course, for guys, we don't care, because even if we had the manual, we probably wouldn't read it anyway. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, and yet, at the same time, I have learned over the years that, you know, every once in a while, I should kind of glance over at that owner's manual for my trimmer or my barbecue grill or or my travel trailer <laughs> or the washing machine. Something, you know, just to, just to say, yes, I did look, I did, yes, I did. And then I called a guy, okay? I will, I will acquiesce and call the guy who will come out and fix it because the guy knows how to fix it. But and there's some wisdom in that. Yeah, there is. However, however, there's no guy to call in when it comes to trying to master one's life, is there? No. You got to seek it out yourself. Well, you get some help, obviously, mentors and coaching, and if you get the right ones. Right. But yeah, you have to seek it out yourself. That's what I had to do anyway. There was nobody there at the crossroads for me. So I spent decades searching out the answers and then applying them and consistently until I felt like I had good mastery in all eight areas of life. And but there was no, I wanted it. I wanted all of it. I wanted everything you could have in life, all the good things the kind of relationships, the thing, I wanted no ceiling on the amount of money that I had. I wanted to have a lot of children, which I did, and still have a really good figure. I wanted everything, and I thought, I think you can have it. And I went to town trying to figure it out, and I figured it out with consistent practice. And now I teach it, or I've been teaching it for a while. Well, you know, it's interesting, too. You talk about uh, finding it, and, uh, you know, we're all looking for it. You know, as you say, <laughs> honestly, there's no yet, right? The, the the end result is not so not too. It would be like a magic pill. There's no magic pill. The end end of the at the end of the day, it's just not that glamorous, but consistent application gets you there. Now we are, as you like to say, designed for and motivated to seek happiness, and I find it fascinating that you. Uh, think that because, uh, of course, in our founding uh, uh, documents for America, anyway, for the United States, uh, we are given these inalienable rights. Now, it's funny how they, I, I can't believe they didn't have enough parchment to list more than three, but they only listed three, life, liberty, and happiness. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That was pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Now, no freedom to pursue it. And that's a whole other thing, that, isn't it? Yeah. Market. You got to figure it out. Yeah, and it's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean you mean we don't have to pursue life? I guess we don't, because if we're reading it, we're alive. <laughs> and liberty, well, I guess that's subject to interpretation. What liberty really is, but nonetheless, if you have life, you probably have liberty. Uh, happiness is an interesting 
uh, is an interesting unknown for a lot of people. Would you say that the majority of people are are unhappy or not happy? Is there really a difference between the two? I think the majority of people, well, everybody wants to be happy. I don't think most people are as happy as they'd want to be. I think, and I'm really happy, but I, I take more happiness. You know, there's, I think it's something that we'd like unmeasurable quantities of and more of than we have. If I ask audiences who'd like to be happier across the board, they say they do, you know? So I think there's not a limit. We'd all just like to be happier. It's interesting though, when I speak to audiences, I've done, I've tried this on three or four different, maybe five different audiences of varying types and ages and uh, income brackets. One is uh, on actually on YouTube and you can see it. Um, and it was a high income, high ed- highly educated group of people I was speaking to. And they'll all agree that, yeah, we all want to be happy. But then when I say, well, what makes people happy? You just, I've only one time had anybody come close to the answer. Yet when I tell them, they nod their head and say, oh, yeah, that's it. That is what makes people happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting. Everybody wants it. But not very many people talk to us in terms of this is what will make you happy. There's people that do, but it's not so direct. I think yeah. I was a little more direct about it. Yeah. There's plenty of people that will say you'll be happier. If you have personal progression, if you move forward, if you if you set goals and meet them, but maybe not so succinctly as I've said it. Well, you know, it's 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 a heck of a challenge to say the very least uh, to um, seek out peace of mind, if you will, to seek out uh, another word. I guess we could use for happiness, in a manner of speaking, would be equanimity. Uh, that that feeling of finding one's place in the universe, so to speak. And I know that 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 is going to change from time to time throughout our life, isn't it? It is. Um, You know, Wayne Dyer said that he said, maybe we want peace more than happiness. And but really, they're both so much the same equanimity, as you said, or peace or happiness. It's but the, the real happiness and real joy or real peace is going to be able to be stable regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in, right? It's interesting. You can be, you can have, be happy and be sad at the same time, have a happy demeanor in life and feeling, and yet be heartbroken. It's, um, we're interesting creatures that way. There's every emotion. There's a kind of a dichotomy of both, right? We're um, just the ability to be both, I think is a human, wonderfully human thing. It's like we're happy at a higher level, even though right now in the time and now we're heartbroken over something, but still our overall higher self is still has joy and happiness. And does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I just had an experience uh, that most people might dread. Okay. And it's interesting how these, these particular experiences for me, I haven't dread them. Uh, as uh, I am, in a manner of speaking, celebrating my second week following uh, the, uh, and I, I joke about this because it happened during the Olympic Games, uh, the, the gallbladder clean and jerk. And I got the gold. Uh, had a golf ball sized uh, gallstone and a very infected oh, gallbladder. Gosh. And so they ripped that sucker out of there uh, through some holes that they punched in my gut. And uh, I feel much better because it was painful before and I didn't even know what it was. But I went into the hospital 
the only thing that I, I would say I had any anxiety about was, was, was getting the shot in the arm for the IV. And I, most guys don't like that anyway. But I wasn't, I wasn't worried about the surgery or the procedure or the recovery because the way time has been moving, and I, I'm sure you've experienced this too, I was going to be behind this thing before I could blink. And here I am. I'm behind it. You know, 12, 13. Yeah. Like two weeks ago or something? Is that what you said? It was, yeah. It was actually the uh, uh, the 30th of, uh, or the 29th of, um, uh, of, of July. And uh, I was up and around. I was eating regular food the same day. Uh, feeling very good, very energetic, having to take it easy, though. Still, it was painful, you know, because of the, you know, the incisions. But I just, I don't, I, I just have been, even before that, I was just very optimistic. I'm thinking, you know, I'm in a good place, good hospital, great people working there, great doctors, da 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 You know, it's going to be just fine, you know. And so what do I need to worry about? I'm just going to lay here. I uh, might moan and groan a little bit because of the pain and take my meds and that kind of stuff for the pain and just get through it hour by hour, day by day. And like I said, and before I know it, I'll be behind it. And that seems to be the case that I have noticed. It's like it used to be worry, worry, worry about the impending whatever it was, something that was scheduled. Okay. And it, it seemed like it took forever. And this was when I was back in my teens or 20s or 30s. But I'm 61 years old. And now it's a, phew, you know, it's over before you can you can even think about it. Uh, you learn to, it comes it comes to pass. It doesn't come to stay. And yeah. you learn to get a little bit older. And it is just a blimp. Now it's just a little memory you had. And it's only two weeks old. Yeah. In the moment, it feels like everything. But I think with enough experiences like that, we just learn. Life just moves on. It'll be it'll be fine. You mentioned eight. Did you? Uh, there were eight. What were they? Phases or eight, elements? Eight areas of life mastery. Eight areas of life mastery. Okay. Can can we start talking about them? And is there is there are they prioritized in any way or does it matter? No, I don't think they're prioritized. I think they're just parts of a whole. Okay. Equal parts of a whole. Right. So what happened and what I observed in, in my study because I. I was at this, you know, and you read the story, kind of rags to riches kind of situation. I was dead broke. My husband and I, kids, we had no education. We were just a mess. But I wanted all these things, right? And so I started reading everything I could on how to, how to, on personal development, how to get what you want in life, how to be who you want to be. And I noticed it was all quite business or money driven. Mm. And, you know, that's not good. We all know that's not going to work if you just put all that energy into your your business or your work or your profession or your money, you're going to end up unbalanced, right? You're going to, it's going to cost you too much. And so as my, over the years that I've taught some of these principles, I've observed that there's really eight areas. If you're not balanced in all of them, it's not really successful. If you want to be really successful, you have, you can't make a lot of money and let your health go or have a great relationship, but let your money go or be ripping physically fit, but let your lose your character or your peace of mind or um, your education. Nobody wants to, you know, a big, <laughs> big ripped fit guy with no brains, right? That's no good either. So if you're not, if you're not developing in all the eight areas, it's not going to be happiness because 
it, we're going to be out of balance. Yeah. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna, because we're going to lose something else. If you don't keep it in somewhat, there's never a true balance. But we need to be working in all eight areas. Because if you don't, you're going to lose something that's going to keep you from being happy. You're going to lose something. Well, let's go through some of the eight. We won't necessarily list them all, but before we do, I want to remind our listeners, we're talking with Sherry Sterling Fernandez, and we're talking about life mastery. And uh, she has a website. That's right, folks, she does. And that website uh, that you can uh, continue your personal growth and uh, transformation is lifemasteryinfo.com. That's life masteryinfo.com. It's the formula for continual expansion into your own greatness. And we certainly hope that you will uh, go to her website as well as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Along with Sherry Fernandez, she is the author of of life mastery and we're talking about these eight elements of life if you will aspects of life they are as you said sherry they're integrated they're they're part of the whole you cannot uh, have one without the other seven and you can't compartmentalize them even though we can list the eight uh, but they all go hand in hand so uh, even though as you said there is no proprietary uh, list in that respect, or order, I should say. Uh, let's, uh, I don't care, take it alphabetically or, <laughs> or however you have it listed in the book. The first one. Right, well, I, you know, first of all, I'd like to just say this about it. You cannot affect one area without affecting all the areas. Right, so right. Absolutely. I used to draw this diagram where I'd do three or four areas of life, and I just sort of barely overlap them. I'd put them on a, a board, you know, and then I'd put a pin, something through them, and say it's going to affect everything a little bit. This is in the book. But I learned that now I overlap all eight just on top of each other, stick that pin right to the middle because you're not going to do affect anything, any one of these elements or areas of life master without affecting them all. I'm going to start with my favorite one, just actually the last one listed in the book, which was character, because for a long time I taught seven areas and I always had this nagging feeling that something was missing. Like, where do we put the thing? What what area do we work on when we want to be maybe a little more per, uh, more person of our word or keep our promises better or uh, we put it in relationships or we, we find places to put some of these things to uh, be more honest in my speech, those kind of things. And I thought, you know what, if you lose your character, then you've lost the whole ball of wax too. Mm. So I added character and I felt really good about that. And I felt really inspired to do that. And that was just when I started writing the book. Up until that point, all these years of teaching that, I've taught seven. So that kind of came along with the book. So character, who we're becoming as a person is you know, important, but I start with physical and then spiritual. I like uh, what Ryan Holiday said. He said, a lot of us are walking around. Um, oh, he said, if our, if our bodies were numb, we'd go rush to the doctor and find out what was wrong. But a lot of us are walking around with we're spiritually numb and we're not even alarmed. Mm. And uh, so I think, and, and that can look like anything. There's all kinds of things that can look like, and I list, this is not aimed at any kind of a denomination or, 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 theology of any kind but there's all kinds of ways to be more spiritual from sitting in nature to reading your bible to you know meditating there's all kinds of ways but we have to work somewhere on the spiritual and then of course there's money lifestyle business education those kind of things that are important relationships yeah, yeah. you know and i find it interesting that we we may find the key today 
to a particular aspect of our life. And again, not accepting the fact that when you change one, you change the others as well. You affect the others. But that we, we will find this key today. And then somehow, someway, our memories are erased tomorrow. And we are faced with the same situation. And we can't remember, okay, what was the solution? Uh, I, and what's really <laughs> funny is I was, I, was, uh, I was reading this book of puzzles. It was a fascinating little book about uh, how to utilize the other 90% of your brain. And um, uh, I, I went to the first puzzle, and it was very simple. I can, I can describe it. The first puzzle was a series of numbers. And the numbers were basically, not, this isn't exactly right, but it's close enough. Uh, the numbers were 1, 2, 4, 8, uh, let's see, 7, and nine. And you had to find the pattern. And I thought, well, that's easy. Pattern's simple. Every other character has straight lines, and then every other character has curved lines. So the mm -hmm. one, and obviously the four, and the seven, those are straight lines, and so forth. So I did that, and I went on to the next puzzle. And the next puzzle was a series of letters. And uh, there was, um, and these were uppercase. And there, were, there was uh, C and M and Q and V and J and several others. And you had to find the pattern. And I sat there for 15 minutes trying to figure out what the Sam Hill, the solution was. And I cheated and I went to the answers in the back of the book. And it was the same frickin' answer as the first puzzle. <laughs> yeah, there's a good moral to that story for sure. <laughs> yeah. Forgot the solution to the first one figuring, well, they can't be using the same solution for the second problem. Why not? Well, why not? Yeah, so, in fact, it probably uh, is, that's probably is a moral to that story, which is the solution is probably the same every time the puzzle comes along. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I think in my book that when people ask me what's most unique about it, there's a lot of people who will teach uh, being well-rounded and teach. And, and probably if you look at, switch it out, that progress is the key to happiness. But what I did include were tools because really what it is, Richard, is the consistent, you kind of, you know, you touched on that there in that story. It's doing the same things consistently, but you got to have a system or you forget. Yeah. You don't have a system that you plug into every day. Yeah. Then you're going to forget what you're about. You know, that's why New Year's resolutions don't work. It isn't because people don't set good goals or they don't sit, um, they're not committed. It's because they don't have a system. And if you don't have a system, you're going to, life gets busy and you forget the answer to the first puzzle, right? Yeah. You figure it out and then you forgot. So it's having a system that you work every day that gets you what you want and having that personal development time every morning consistently doing yeah. consistently you can't forget from one day to the next right and, and you've, got, plus you've got little charts and things to keep you on track so that's what that's the key right there to progress is you just it's consistent as i said it's not a big fancy magic pill it's it seems a little mundane but we get you there now that's a big difference between what Einstein said about the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Same mistake though. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> you do the same right thing every day. That would be smart. Yeah. It's making the same mistake and getting the wrong results. When you get the right results, keep doing it. Yeah. 
Exactly. So uh, I want to ask you, and we talked about at the front end of this, uh, about happiness. What, to you, what is happiness? Oh, by definition, well, it's that joyful um, feeling that the world is right consistently all the time that you just, and um, yeah, that joyful, it's like uh, we have like this sort of ground level, what I'd call it, celestial kind of level where all the pain and the misery and the sorrow is which we're in and we have to experience and we're going to go through that and then there's like another next level a higher level like i said earlier why you can a funeral is a good example you can go to funerals some funerals not all some are just tragedies but and be both joyous about life and meeting the people and being there and and uplifted and also feel sad for the loss of the person right Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that there's we have this higher level of of happiness and that's not disturbed by what's going on we can have COVID or whatever it is we have happening we're still going on about our happy way because our happiness is not caught up in the um junk of the world i guess i think i heard you say something about the news mm-hmm. um that'd be a, a good way to not be happy spending very much time caught up in the news oh. right keep you, keep you buried in the junk yeah. So happiness is that joy you can experience by just just walking through this life, even no matter what. Not that you're you don't feel heartache, but you're not. It doesn't disturb your happiness, or not very much. Yeah. We're talking with Sherry Fernandez, and she has written a book called Life Mastery. As we continue here on Tell Me Your Story: New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, reminding you that we're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. We are also on Wednesdays for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story at 9 a.m. And all of those broadcasts are streamed live on the Internet, and you can go to richarddugan.com to listen to them. You can also listen to the podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry. We are also on iHeart, Amazon Music, and a bunch of other places that I can't remember, but you will find them, I guarantee you. A lot of people have because our listenership has exploded. We went from like two to 300 average per week up to over 1,000 a week, and uh, it was shortly after I expanded to some of these other locations that people, more people are listening, which is fantastic. We are also on YouTube. You can listen and watch these interviews, and of course, we will be linked to uh, Sherry's uh, website as well, and that's lifemasteryinfo.com. We hope that you will take advantage of her website, get a copy of her book, and find out more about the work that she is doing, and we will do that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. As we give you new paradigms for a new world, I'm Richard Dugan, and I'm excited about the fact that we are here with you uh, sharing this time along with Sherry Sterling Fernandes, and we are talking about her book, Life Mastery. Life Mastery Info is her website. Please, lifemasteryinfo.com, and uh, find out more. As I said before, we will be linked to her website. I wanted to ask you about your background. Now, you, you mentioned about different ways of sort of maybe finding happiness through, uh, yes, staying away from the news, but also, you know, some people will, they'll read their Bible or other ancient wisdom teachings, or they'll go out in nature and so on and so forth. And one of the things that we promote on this radio station, Sherry, is uh, what we like to call the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we encourage people to go within, to spend time listening to that still small voice in that quiet, 
peaceful place that I remember years and years ago, early on in my search, I kept thinking about trying to find a place, a physical, material, earthly place that I could go, that nobody else could go to. Uh, I would never be disturbed if I went there so that I could just kind of ponder things, meditate maybe, and th you know, just let the mind wander and, and, and just, you know, relax. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized there isn't any place on the planet that I can go that nobody else can go. Everybody can go wherever I, if I can go there, they can go there, except one, and that's within. Talk to us about that in reference to, in connection with, uh, in concert with, if you will, life mastery. I go back to when I was in, and a lot of this is in the book, Life Mastery, uh, which you can get on Amazon, by the way. Um, I tell the story, but it sounds like I had this tragic childhood and it was unusual, <laughs> but it left me a lot of opportunity to wander, literally wander and to be alone a lot. And I don't know, maybe I would have been a deep thinker anyway, but I just seemed to, I thrived in that opportunity to spend a lot of time alone and think and think about this is, I'm talking like eight years old nine years old I'm wandering around the little town that we lived in then and and just all day long and but I think and I just was a thinker and I thought I'm somebody I think I'm somebody special somebody's watching over me something special I have something special to do in this life I had no idea what it would look like and I certainly I mean we were not ragged but pretty close you know they're just my mom and dad weren't been divorced my mom wasn't um equipped to raise four little girls and then she married an abusive alcoholic this is an old story right been there then my parents actually divorced the people they were married to and married each other again and stayed there talked to i was married but so i did have a little bit of stability late in my life but all that time alone left me a lot of time to think and i thought i think there's something special out there for me so then i partied away my late teens and early 20s and then when it's time to settle down in life I no no money no education but i still felt like there were special things out there. I wanted everything, like I said earlier. I just knew that there was things out there. But that time, that stillness you're talking about, remember earlier I said, Wayne Dyer talks about how happiness and peace are almost the same thing. You can't have one without the other. And that inner peace, that's why I have the whole section on spirituality, which is actually my favorite one as far as the writing goes. I love that section. We have to have peace and time to think. Uh, I think it was maybe Napoleon Hill. No, Earl Nightingale said, men don't think. We need more time to think, ponder, think about life. And I just happen to be a person who's been, and I still like to be alone a lot. All that thinking has brought me to the place where I could write this book. I'm not a writer. I'm not, um, there's nothing particularly special about me, but it's a lot of time studying, thinking, studying, thinking, practicing, mm -hmm. practicing, mm -hmm. finding, seeking out truth. Not that I know it all, of course. Uh, and that's why people tell me when they read the book, it rings true to them. What well, rings true because it's true. And because I spent a lot, I know it's true because I spent so much time, 50 years, I'm 65 years old. I've spent 50 years, 55 years or more thinking about life and reading and practicing the things I've learned and found success, by the way, in all eight areas. I feel I can, I could literally coach any one of those eight areas. I don't, I coach all eight or none, but I could literally do that because of the things that I've thought about, learned, practiced hmm. in my life. But it wasn't instantaneous. It took time. Yeah. And it does take time uh, to acquire some of this, this 
I'm going to call it not knowledge but wisdom uh, because as I have moved forward in my life, as much as I have enjoyed for the most part, I have enjoyed the relationships that I have been in, my first marriage and maybe even going back to uh, I don't know, uh, dating a, a, a few girls. I, I you know, I, I didn't have that many girlfriends. I had one in high school. I even ended up uh, calling her probably when I was in my 50s, apologizing for the way that I treated her. I wasn't abusive, but I just wasn't attentive. One of those kinds of things, right? And uh, it's, you know, the same thing with my first wife. I mean, you know, it takes two to, to, to make a relationship work or make it not work. And uh, I, I acknowledge my role in all of that. But one of the things that I have found is that, that when it comes to how we feel, feel emotionally about an individual, and, and this is different from that spiritual connection that we might have with someone, right? Where we, we have this emotional connection initially with someone. And it's all, sometimes it's hot and bothered and, you know, and it just, and it goes for quite a number of years. And it can go for a long time, depending upon the individuals. But you and I both know, and, and I don't want to make any assumptions here, so I will only speak for myself. <laughs> I am not the man I was when I was 20 or 30. And I don't necessarily mean in terms of my physical well-being. Yeah, certainly, I, I may not be as strong or what have you. Uh, you know, and I have to be careful. I don't want to fall down. I'm not going to break a hip or anything, but nonetheless. But more in terms of how I feel about things and, and the connection that I have with people. And there are some who come into this world as old souls, and they, they have it from childhood. But then there are others of us who we have to live this life to sort of get there. And we don't feel the same attachment, okay? We care. We say we love. And we are there for people. But it's like, for example, my parents. My dad's 90. My dad is 90 years old and, and doing well. Just had a hernia operation, but he's doing well. Mother is doing great, 87. She's doing fantastic. Uh, my eldest sister, 65. My uh, second oldest, 62. I'm 61. My brother just turned 59. I've got two younger sisters. I don't see them as some people do, real tight, close-knit. Never estranged. Don't get me wrong. I see them as friends, especially my parents. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you... Do you understand where I'm coming from in that oh, regard? No, I think totally, and you—that's the thing. That's the natural progression of life. If you're a person who's learning, if you were still the same man at you now as you were at 21, we'd be disappointed in you. <laughs> you show up for you, <laughs> uh, and you've gotten wiser, and you've appreciated your relations. I think it's very natural course for somebody who's tried to be consistently become better. I, I can relate to that with my own relationships. I have six children; they're all adults, and we're, we love each other dearly. We all get together occasionally. But we're not, like you said, this always meshed together because we appreciate autonomy as much as we do the family relationships. But, you know, a lot of what you're saying is wisdom. You said mentioned wisdom. People will say to me, and it is a hallmark of my personality that I'm wise. 
But what they don't know is all the mistakes I had to make to get one. (laughs) (laughs) And and study and and, and work my way out of some problems and figure out what was going on and think and think and think to be wise because I made mistakes I made. I could write a whole book just on that. Uh, And there were some whoppers. Yeah, some whoppers, huh? They were. I did some big, made some big mistakes, but you didn't learn a lot. You make you learn big lessons from big mistakes. Now that you go out and look for them, yeah, um, you can make plenty without trying. Well, you know, there are certain words I'm trying to remove from my vocabulary and hope encourage people to do the same. Uh, success and failure uh, to remove those uh, because. The way I see it, we are neither succeeding nor failing in either case, if you want to put them into that dualistic perspective, we're learning. And that's what it's about, learning. Um, I'm not even going to use the tired old cliche-ish example of Thomas Edison and the light bulb. We, that's, that's, I mean, isn't that what we were all told as we were growing up in, in the metaphysical communities as I was in the eighties and nineties? Oh, this is schoolhouse earth and we're here to learn. It's not pass fail. It's just learning. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I get that. I really do. And yet our society, our civilization, our institutions continue to hammer home, pass, fail, pass, fail, pass, fail. And I don't know. I think there's a disservice being done there. You, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. I think that life is, life is just, you know, you had your surgery a couple of weeks ago, and you probably learned a few things. Well, obviously, you shared it, some things. Life is just in one series of continuous experiences that we live well and right. We just learn things from them. And there's not a, a, a any pass bell thing. I, it's a little bit connected to what you're saying, but maybe a little bit off. I talk about this in, in the book about the need for self-education because we have this, you know, raising all these kids, you know, in the school system, frustrating because I've got kids in grade school, second or third or fourth grade, and they're giving them all this homework. What is all this homework for little kids for? Well, because we got to prepare them for junior high. And then they get junior high and they got all this stuff. They got to prepare them for high school. We got to be prepared for college. And I'm like, and then we have to, make sure we do college well so that we can get a good job in a good company so we can get retirement benefits. And I think, well, is the, is the reason we have homework in grade school so we can get good retirement? I mean, it feels like that, like everything seems to be that kind of, and so much of education is not going to be a school system kind of education. Yeah. And so much of education is focused on the grades, like you say, in the past fell, not just in the schools, but just in life. Um, that real education and self-education has been neglected. I had a friend, I think I shared this in the book also, she would, she very well educated. She had her just short of her master's degree and she would uh, ask me questions that were so fundamental. And I'd ask her, how, how could you be this far in life and done all you've done and not know these things after your, because I didn't get to go to school because I was busy partying. And she'd say, I learned how to work the system. Yeah. I didn't make it an education. So, yeah, we don't place nearly enough value on on real what's real compared to what's achieved, I think. What real achievement compared to what's, you know, the grades, the promotions, that kind of thing. Pastel, like you said. My guest is Sherry Fernandes, and we are talking about life mastery, and we're uh, talking about a lot of other things that are associated with it or connected to it or part of it. 
And uh, we are going to continue doing that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are looking for those new ways of living here on the program as we continue uh, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Speaking of choices, Sherry, and uh, Sherry Fernandez is my guest. Her book, Life Mastery, lifemasteryinfo.com is the website. What about that aspect? I mean, we're, we, we were just talking in the, uh, about education. Now, I am a staunch advocate of education, not necessarily formal, uh, you know, 12 right. years and post-secondary. I'm talking about what you learn a lot of times after you get out of school. Uh, there's a part of me that feels like I've been doing this for over 40 years, interviewing people, talking with them about where they're coming from and the, what they are doing. And I feel like I should have my Ph.D. in eclectic studies if there is such a Ph.D. Um, but there were a lot of people who are stuck in almost a generational cycle of life. And they don't see any other way out. And they're bitter at the system. They're bitter at the institutions. They're just plain bitter because they don't see a way out. And it's because they haven't been exposed to other possibilities or choices. Do you see that as a, a, a major factor or just a factor? in why people are unable to begin the process of mastering their life and pursuing their life's purpose and being the person that they are, are to be, that they are the true person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think the problem is it's not that the information is not there. They don't know how maybe, I mean, nobody, Nobody told you or me probably how to be successful because it's out there, but you have, you know, it's a pursuit of happiness thing. But people just let their lives happen to them and they don't plan it. And that's the problem is that if you just wait day after day for things to change and you just do the same things as you did yesterday, like, you know, the definition of insanity, mm -hmm. and things are never going to change. You have to be accountable and go out and make it change and plan your life, design your own life. And I think that might be the concept that nobody gets told. You can design your own life. You can really go out and change things. And maybe we should teach more uh, young people more how to do that. When people, I've got a number of young people reading my book. I think, oh, I wish I had had my book when I was your age, because I would have accomplished so much more. But the possibilities out there, I think that people just wait. And most people, I think statistically, it's been suggested, I don't know if I can show the exact studies for it, but that it's about not between 90 to 95% of people just let life happen to only about 5% of people design their own life. I designed my own life, my husband and I together. Um, I suspect probably you did. Uh, but a lot of people just, they just get in this, like you said, the generational thing, they get the, they get the college degree, then they get the, the four-year degree, then they get the job, then they just go to work every day, then they, they retire, and then they think, well, where was my life? How about the uh -huh. fear? How about the fear? Because I know people who they do not envy me in a positive way for the fact that I have not worked a day in my life since I was in high school. Actually, in eighth grade, when I first started working, my first job was as a paper boy. And I loved it. I absolutely, I did it for five years. 
uh, eighth grade, I did the morning paper, and I said, I think I'm going to do the afternoon paper. Switched over in high school and did that for four years. Absolutely. If I could go back and do that job again, I would. Not It was because I had my own hours, in a manner of speaking. I met incredible people, had great conversations with my customers, you know, had wonderful relationships in that regard. Uh, and then, of course, with getting into broadcasting and, as I said before, interviewing, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of people. It's just it's been fabulous, I have to tell you. So I, I'm curious as to people's fear, uh, because to me, when somebody is unhappy with their job, and then when I say, oh, man, I absolutely, I love going to work. I, I, matter of fact, I don't even have to go to work because I can do it from home. I can do it remotely, da-da-da-da-da. And, you, you know, they get that sour look on their face like, oh, you bum, you. You should, you're not supposed to like your work, you know. It's like, well, why the heck not? Isn't that what we're, I mean, that's part of the pursuit of happiness, and I'm pursuing it, and I'm happy. Don't take my joy. I mean, that's some, what someone said. Don't let them take your joy, Richard. That's what my sister, my sister actually told me that. She says, don't let them take your joy. Let them steal your joy. No, there's a lot of, I think, a lot of people don't make changes that they'd like to make for fear. It reminded me, Chuck reminded me of a couple I've known for a really long time. And he had some very unique talents. Very uh, uh, interesting for a man, but he cake decorating, then he would work, woodworking. He was just very good and very curious and he really, really, in his heart, wanted to do a bake, uh, open his own bakery. He had a good job with good benefits. And his wife, who's really my friend, uh, I hope you're not watching. <laughs> anyway, she didn't, want to, she didn't want to lose the benefits, you know, that she needed the security. I know that happens a lot. Um, I can right now think of a couple of other couples, young couples who are struggling here, where one, the men want to do something exciting and they've got big ideas and big dreams and and the wife is like no no we need benefits i could not live for the joy of benefits that would just make me crazy yeah. i'm like you I do, for, I do for free i do things for free before i'd work for money doing something i don't want to do i just wouldn't do it oh um, i i said that to my uh i said that to my uh second boss uh in a christian radio station and uh, somebody said, what are you saying? You told him if you could survive and have a place to stay in this and that and the other thing, that you would do the job for free? Are you crazy? <laughs> I have definitely worked harder at some things for free than, <laughs> than, get, than get paid for. Um, but I don't feel like I've ever, I had one job early in my 20s that was just a job. And even then I liked it. It just wasn't, uh, wasn't maybe really as fulfilling as I want. Yeah. But there is that fear, you know, that it is somewhat real. I just couldn't, um, I just couldn't imagine doing something I didn't want to do because I was going to retire, get good retirement in 30 or 40 years. That, that wouldn't appeal to me. Yeah. But there are people who need that security and that's fair too. It's fair. If yeah. that's, the security might be more important for them to their happiness. I don't know. I don't know that, that way of thinking. So. Well, we're talking today with uh, Sherry Fernandes. She's written a book called Life Mastery. Website, lifemastery.com, lifemasteryinfo.com, lifemasteryinfo.com. And we're talking about it here on Tell Me Your Story. 
We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true here on the program, bringing you new paradigms for a new world. How different is what you are sharing with people, Sherry? Sherry Fernandes, author of Life Mastery, website lifemasteryinfo.com. How different is what you are sharing uh, with the people now through this book and through your website? Or is it, and again, I think if it is this case, it's just fine because uh, it's like I'm sure you've had this experience where maybe you or your husband have said something to the other and uh, didn't really listen, didn't follow the advice, but then it was said to you or your husband by somebody else and it clicked and you did it. And it's like, well, wait a minute, I told you that two weeks ago that that was the way to go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about, about that aspect. Well, I'd go on two different ways like that. We Some of the things that we sought out for information, you know, we would go, we went out, we couldn't afford it, would find seminars and places to go and learn things. And we really would apply. We'd ask the questions. Most people want to do that. Um, but there's so many times like working with a client, um, so I, do, I still do some one-on-one coaching and when I'm working with somebody and we all have talked about something, this happened not very long ago, somebody had been working with for over a year and he said, oh, I just found, I just realized something. I just learned this thing. And I thought we've been working on that for like a year. <laughs> but it's good because you know what happens? I'm not offended at all. My kids do that too. They'll say, mom, I thought of this great thing. I learned this the other day. I thought I taught you that all your life. <laughs> but it's great because when somebody does that, that means that now it's theirs. They own it. Yeah. If you can find your, and in working with people, if I can get them to discover something on their own, like ask the right question so they figure it out, yeah. that's way, way better than telling somebody because then they own it. They belong, if that information belongs to them. Exactly. If I just tell them, they'll forget about it. Yeah. But if they discover it, and just like Ken and I, we would listen to it and we discover it, then we owned it. We felt like even though we learned it from this great teacher, once we applied it and saw the benefits, we felt like we owned it and it was ours. And then I claimed it and wrote a book about it. <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book in terms of its creation. Uh, you said that you have been uh, studying what I like to refer to as the ancient wisdom teachings. You've been experiencing, you've been growing, you've been changing and transforming your life through uh, much of what you have read as well as experienced and the people that you have maybe um maybe a short term taken on as mentors and so forth. I myself, uh, even though I will say this many times on this program that my metaphysical primer is Autobiography of Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. That is not to say necessarily that I am a follower of Self-Realization Fellowship or even some of the other branches, such as Self-Inquiry Life Fellowship, which is headed up by another guru who is connected with Paramahansa and at least the lineage. Uh, his name is, um, is Swami Vidya Dishananda. When I interviewed him, I practiced that for 15 minutes before I went into the building. <laughs> Make sure I got it right. Uh, and then, of course, there was another gentleman by the name of Sri Kriyananda, who is also, uh, before his passing, he was the last living teaching disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. And he writ, wrote his own uh, memoirs and stories about uh, his life with Paramahansa. Uh, so that's sort of the to just to say that okay that's where my my beginnings as a metaphysician began, but I have been a Baha'i. I have studied uh, 
many of the other uh, uh, religions, if you will, or philosophies. I've had Scientologists and atheists on this program. Uh, I've uh, some of my favorite conversations have been with Jewish rabbis. Oh my God, they're so much fun to talk with because uh, they have so much insight, especially into the Torah and just in life. So I'm curious about you and and the influences, both written as well as uh, human, if you will, and maybe those that aren't necessarily human. Maybe, I don't know, maybe uh, some channeled or other spiritual experiences that you've had that that were sort of catalysts to your life and where you are today talking with me. Yeah. Well, actually, that's true. Remember, I told you about when I was a child and I had all this, my life was really, I was really in a precarious situation. And I sort of understated that because I told you I enjoyed it. But my life and I had all that freedom to walk and talk and be by myself. And I had friends too a little bit, but that was all great. But there was a downside to that, right? Like we didn't have enough maybe to eat. And then my mom married this guy. I mean, there were some bad things. And uh, I had not had any exposure. We'd grown up around Maybe, no, not even that. There weren't really any real religion in my life. Um, my parents had both belonged to a, a religion that I'm active in now, but they didn't do it in practice and didn't talk about it. I mean, nothing. And I don't know. So I don't know where I learned this, but I started to pray when I was like eight. I decided I'd just pray every day that my parents would get back together again. And now you remember they did. <laughs> and but and I felt like that, that there had been power in, in doing that. And so... I went through all those party years and all of the uh, the teenage years. I mean, I was, I just, I'm not going to tell you all the stupid things. That was, you know, just, just, you know, <laughs> the kind of things you do when you're that age, but, yeah. but a little bit of shoplifting, you know, some drugs. I did some stuff. And, but all through that time, I still just every, at the end of every day, I just prayed. I don't know how I had the nerve <laughs> to do it, but I did. And, but that's been the most, that one thing, that one practice has been the most influential thing on me. Now I have read, obviously the Bible thoroughly, um, in Book of Mormon thoroughly. I've read the Torah. I've read the well, lots of the Quran. I've read, um, um, I just lost my, lost my name. So I've done, and I've studied religions of the world a little bit as a hobby, mm-hmm. but um, they, and this all meant so much to me. I mean, I've learned so much from Chinese, um, Chinese scripture. Um, there's oh, been yeah. a lot of influences, but I seriously feel connected to, to divinity. It just, it just feels normal to me to look out and feel the essence of the divine creator and the world is beautiful. And just, I don't know, that just feels like a natural thing to me. It came to me as a gift, I think, as a child when I needed it. Does that answer your question? I it does. But more than what you were looking for. No, no, absolutely. No, we have plenty of time and, and uh, it's never enough. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's never yeah, enough. Yeah, that one practice, you know, led me to everything else because... I felt like I, I knew how to be led by that inner voice, as you called it, or by yeah. the spirit, that knowledge that we can all have access to. I felt like I was led, you know, I, I ignored it a few times and got myself into predicaments, but that when I listened to that voice, I am led. And certainly, I'll, and let me say this too about this book. So many times I thought, I thought, I don't, who am I to write this book? And I'd get stuck somewhere and I would be back on my knees and I would just, it would open up to me and I'd go back to my computer and type what I just learned. And now when I read it, I think, who wrote this? I, I don't think I'm smart enough to have written this book. And I didn't write it by myself. I don't think so. I was de- definitely divinely inspired. 
to write. I never desired to write a book, probably never write another one. I definitely felt I was inspired to write this one. Would you put that in the category of it being channeled through you? Yeah, I would. Okay. I mean, I had done the work. I had the knowledge. My husband said it took me 40 years to write it. But to actually have the ability to put it on paper, you know, on a keyboard, (laughs) on my computer, uh, that and to put it and be able to word it and... Because I'd been asked a lot of times, you should, you should, tell, you should write a book. And I'd be like, uh-uh, I'm a speaker. If it can't come out my mouth, I can't do it. And then, so, yeah, and I still feel like that's true. I don't think I'm a writer. And yet, the book is very good. And it gets good. I get good feedback from it. It's very good. Even when I read it, I think it's better than what I could have written without that inspiration, for sure. Now, there are a lot of different aspects to our lives that I want to talk about here, but one in particular that we're going to get into in just a moment. I want to remind our listeners that we are talking with Sherry Fernandes. She is the author of the book entitled Life Mastery. LifeMasteryInfo.com is her website, and I really encourage you to go there to find out more about the work that she is doing. We, of course, are linked to her website uh, through the podcast. All you have to do is click on uh, the, uh, the the little grocery cart if you're look, listening through through the player uh, that has the list, the playlist of the uh, uh, interviews for 2021, as uh, would all of the interviews uh, in 2019, 2018, 2020, and so forth. So I hope that you will do that. As we continue on, tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, along with Sherry Fernandes, and she has written a wonderful book that I hope that you'll get a copy of, Life Mastery. As we continue talking here, I want to ask you about an element of our lives that is, I want to say, maybe neglected. Uh, maybe in some instances it's overemphasized, too much energy is put into it, or maybe not, maybe not the right emphasis is put into it. With what I have learned over the years, everything that exists here on this planet, and I'm speaking of, of humankind, and all of the things that we have created, they were all created through a particular energy, as some of the ancient wisdom teachings speak of. And that energy is what we will call sexual energy. And I want to talk a little bit about that in terms of our understanding of our life's mastery. And I'm going to share something uh, with you that uh, I with a dear friend of mine who has since passed on, she's a good friend of mine for 40 years, which is quite an accomplishment considering that my very best friend from high school, grade school, high school, and college, we are still friends, still stay in touch, and we are celebrating our 50th year of staying connected, staying friends, and so oh, forth. Awesome. 50 <laughs> years. I mean, good Lord. And, and that leaves 20 that <laughs> that are all mine. But uh, what I have learned is that there is nothing that doesn't exist that wasn't created from that sexual, maybe even sexual slash spiritual energy. Can you put that into context for us in in reference to life mastery. Hmm. 
Oh, that's a tough one. I um, obviously I have some some viewpoints and thoughts about that, about creation and all that, but I don't know that I feel like I have an expertise on the sexual energy part. I suspect something like that, but definitely uh, a power in the there's a power out there that we can tap into that we can both that both created this world and everything in it, and that we can also tap into for when we create. Like I created a book, you created a podcast, we're creating this conversation. That that power helps us create these things. Uh, it helps, and it's the same one that created the universe. And I, yeah, I do believe that there's. I do not know how to describe or name that exactly, especially you know in a broad audience like this. But I I do believe that that definitely is the truth. And I, I don't know. That's all I have to say about it. Okay. okay. All <laughs> right. right. But the same power that helped me write my book is the same power that that helps us. Everything. It's just everything. It's just the, the whole entire light of the world and the creative force. Everything. It, it's all in one one great whole. Hmm. Well, I I know that it's an important factor in our very existence. Absolutely, absolutely important factor. It may be everything. Yeah. And that in many cases, in many cases, um, we have sort of, uh, in some instances, we've sort of uh, um, abused it. And especially many of us in our youth. (laughs) But again, it's all about it's all the process of learning, as I as I mentioned earlier. Um, do you have another work in progress? Is there another book, or are uh, are you putting together anything in particular uh, down the road here? Uh, yes, oh, and, other, and, and, all connected to life mastery. Though we have a planner that will, because of the skills that I teach, mm-hmm. a lot of daily tracking. So we have a planner in the works. Um, I have a workbook that I use with clients that will make available to people who are reading the book. I'm just going to refine that a little bit more, and that should be available soon. And then I have a quote book, which I promised in the book that I was working on, and promise I keep adding to it. So I do have a book of quotes that I'm going to get published, my goals to have published by the end of the year, and be and ready to purchase. So I have those three things. The workbook something I've used for years, so it just needs a little bit of refinement to make it uh, for just general consumption. Hmm. The planner's about halfway done, and the quote book's about three-fourths way done. So, yeah, I've got those. Another book that I'll write? Probably not. I don't see me doing that in the near future. Hmm. Everything well, I know is in that one, Richard. I don't know anything else. It's all in that book. <laughs> yeah, you left it all there on those pages, did you? <laughs> At my age, you don't know if you're going to get a second chance, right? So you just put it all in one book, and there it is. Well, that is true. That is true. We don't know. Uh, how long we're going to live. Do you think that's another issue that, that a lot of people are having uh, trouble with, especially nowadays? I mean, you know, I, I, I remember when the pandemic was called and, uh, and uh, we decided to do something different. And I was thrilled because <clears throat> it said that uh, we were going to get a different result. Okay. I, I, I was ecstatic. But I also thought, too, Oh my gosh, there are going to be some incredible opportunities that we don't even know exist yet that are coming our way because we're doing something different. Now, we may not like where we come out the other side, but it's going to be different. 
And I think that that is, to me, uh, one of the greatest uh, opportunities that, uh, that we have to look forward to. But yet, there are, uh, there, I was conducting an interview not long ago where we were talking about the certainties and uncertainties of life. And um, the, the comment was made by my guest that it isn't so much about the certainty or uncertainty. It's about the, shall we call it, the level or scale of uncertainty. Uh, you know, some days there's very little uncertainty and other days there's massive uncertainty because <laughs> we keep hearing different things. And some of us are listening to the news and it's like, you know, uh, we shouldn't do that. Talk to us about the constant in the universe change in reference to life mastery. That um, Como is a really good example. I've watched, I live downtown in Boise. I live in a condo downtown and we walk out and go to dinner every day. And so I've got all this activity around my house and where I live and businesses. And then of course, a lot of my clients are either entrepreneurs or would, would be entrepreneurs. So they're in businesses. And then we host what regularly what we call big thinkers dinners, which we invite people who've got things going, right? And this is my observation. This is true of every of every um, adversity, personal or or political. You've got choices. Some people worried they didn't they closed their doors, they didn't know they were gonna make it, they couldn't keep doing the things they were always did, so they didn't think they'd make it. And other people found new ways to do things. And the people who were found new ways to do things are doing great. And the ones who couldn't figure out how to adjust, how to pivot, as we say, um, they're, they're struggling, they're closing their doors. But I was so actually extremely impressed with the creativity of some businesses and how they did business and how they branched out to other areas. Small little example, which isn't probably the most ideal one maybe, but the bars were all in downtown Boise were all closed down be, unless they were restaurants and they serve food so a number of the bars all of a sudden were serving that three items they could pop in the microwave <laughs> mm. at a lot they were open yeah <laughs> so you know that's a little thing but so many i saw so and and i'm seeing we're pretty involved in the business world in boise and and, and even elsewhere and i am seeing so many businesses just thriving there they, they never missed a lick they just went on go they went kept on going and covid never hurt them at all because they they just went out, they just did what they do and they went after it. So every adversity gives you either an opportunity to like, and it says in Job, curse God and die, or you can go forward and live and just do you and just keep moving forward and let the politics and the news and the stuff happen around you, but just don't let it get you and just do your thing. And that's a hard one for a lot of people because we become so vested in some of the even the chaos, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I take a look at my life uh, from the financial standpoint over the last 40 years in my first marriage uh, and my second marriage and maybe even before those and thinking about how much stress and fear and angst that I felt when things weren't going well and the debt was rising and all of those things were happening. And today it's like, eh, I'm going to be responsible, don't get me wrong, by the same token, I'm not going to allow them, and I love this, I love this phrase, this quote, I am not going to allow them, the creditors, if you will, to live rent-free in my head. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, it's like they're already taking enough. I'm not going to, to do that. Uh, so I have, I have taken a different perspective. I mean, intellectually, I've taken a different perspective saying, you know, if 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 push came to shove, look, they have insurance to cover this loss. They're not going to lose a darn thing. And, uh, yeah, it's going to ding me up for a few years if I have to go down this path or that path. But you know what? I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and, and being as responsible as I can and taking care of my obligations as I see them. And just keep moving forward and not let it stress me out because, you know, life's too darn short. That's right. You just do you. You keep doing what you do and hold on to what you, your thing and it'll it'll work out, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. We are talking with Sherry Fernandes, and she has written a book, a great little book that you're going to want to get a copy of. Go to... You, well, you can go to Amazon.com as well, but you can also go to uh, LifeMasteryInfo.com to get a copy of Life Mastery. Is it on its way as an Audible, as a recorded book yet? Yeah. Next project is to do Audible. We don't have it done yet, but that's the next project. So, well, that's also, so I've got a busy fall. I'll tell you what, unless you've already got someone lined up, that's one of the things I do. Is I, I do not, and one of my one of my goals this week was to find somebody. So well, we should keep talking. Absolutely, let's do that because I have found that being able to listen to this kind of information, even while doing something else or sitting still, either way, or driving in the car, I mean. What a great way. I, I remember when my wife and I used to, my my second wife and I here, uh, she's a native Santa Barbara. We would drive from Phoenix to Santa Barbara to stay for a few days. And on the drive over, we were listening to, because I was able to get them on cassette. Uh, I had the CDs, so I transferred them. Uh, we were able to listen to, for example, Dan Brown's uh, The Da Vinci Code and Heaven and Hell. Oh, my God, it was fabulous to listen to these these works uh, with some of the wisdom and some of the intrigue and and uh, and drama and so forth. Uh, the movies were playing out in my head and it was fascinating, especially with with uh, Da Vinci Code that uh, I actually saw the main character. And when they made the movie, Hanks looked just like the character in my mind's movie. I was like. Wow. Oh, that's pretty cool. But it's just fabulous to be able to. I mean, autobiography of a yogi. That's how I listened to it. I would listen to recordings for the blind and uh, talking books for the blind, because back then in my teens and 20s, I was legally blind. I was born that way. And that's how I listened to most of the books that uh, the stories and so forth. And and then I began to record them when I got uh, shortly before I got married the first time. Uh, you know, in recording uh, Love is Letting Go of Fear by Gerald Jampolsky and The Greatest Miracle in the World by uh, Og Mandino and uh, James Redfield's The Celestine Prophecy and The Tenth Insight and on and on and on. And I loved doing that. I still do. I haven't done one in a long time, but I still do. I am very excited about that prospect of you getting your book uh, in audible just... format. I told you about the inspiration. Every time I've needed something, somebody's just come along and been there right at the moment. I have a feeling that's that you just did that because this was my project this week. I was going to start asking around. We looked a little bit locally, and there wasn't anybody doing it locally. So I was going to ask the, um, Tyler Wagner with Authors United who published my book. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, let's make a contact, Richard. I think you're just put right here in my my 
spot so I have some place to go for that. So let's right. make a contact and, and make some arrangements to Ab- do that. Absolutely. I, I, I would be fun. I love I love doing this kind of stuff. I really do. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's uh, here's the thing. You're listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. My guest is Sherry Fernandez. Her book is Life Mastery. Sherry, I uh, thank you so much for giving us this time here on the program, sharing your story and your book and the work that you are doing right now. I have three final questions that I want to ask you. Uh, but again, my thanks to you for, uh, for being here on the program today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasant, nice conversation. Uh, before I ask you those three questions, however, I do have to tell our listeners and viewers that this program, Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, it comes your way Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. And our special edition of Tell Me Your Story is on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We have podcasts of these programs, the entire interview. Uh, Sometimes when you listen to the radio broadcast, you only get a portion of it. So you want to listen to the whole thing? Go to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We are also on YouTube. The channel, Tell Me Your Story. Surprise, surprise. You can subscribe to either the, the podcast or the video casts. And uh, I have to tell you that we're close to 42,000 listens in less than four years. Now, I'm excited about the number, regardless of what it means. And I have 31 subscribers on YouTube. And again, I'm excited about people listening, whether they subscribe or not, getting the information out. We also encourage you, if what you hear resonates with you and you'd like to support us financially, gratefully appreciate any support you can give us. And that's why we have a PayPal account. All you have to do is uh, go to PayPal and send money to the email address richard at richarddugan.com. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you for those who have helped us and those who will help us. And then please participate in the decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where you can spend some time going within, listening to that still small voice uh, and just sitting quietly. And you don't have to do it for a long time or sit in any special position. Five minutes Pull the car over into a parking lot or something, under a nice shade tree or what have you, for five minutes. Close your eyes and just focus on you, okay? Just focus on you. And with that being said, my first of three questions to you, my guest on the program is, who is Sherry Sterling Fernandez? Who am I? Oh, I think that was like a trick question. (laughs) (laughs) No trick. Right now, and in context, I'm an author, but um, I'm, I guess, um, I would say if I had to say one thing is uh, I'm a happy daughter of God. That's why I would put it. That would be my, my, my mother. I'm a, a, a wife. I'm a lot of things, but that would be it. I think the essence of me is. I'm a happy daughter of God. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Oh, is that, that's easy. I just want to make a difference in the world. I don't need to prove anything. I don't need to, I don't need to, I don't need limelight or anything. I just want to make a difference. And that's why I'm on your show. I'm hoping people pick up the book. That's the way I know how to make the biggest difference right now. Mm-hmm. I just want to make a difference in people's lives, help people live happier, happier, more happier, happier lives. 
And finally, what is your life's purpose? Um, my, I have a mission statement, which of course is in the book, but is to use all of my knowledge, wisdom, and personal power to inspire others to live with purpose and passion and faith. That's my life mission. Well, Sherry Fernandes, I want to thank you again for joining us on the program. I look forward to uh, staying in contact with you. Uh, as we just discussed a few moments ago, we'll talk more after the interview. And again, uh, much success with the book and the work and that the word gets out uh, that people can, can make a difference in their own lives, which then changes the lives of the people around them. That's one of the things I've learned. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.